What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. Oh, and still, we're still a duo this week because Lilith is still not back yet. Yes. So people who are inquiring, she actually got injured. So we were not completely sure when she's coming back back. She needs to just take some time off. So we thought, so uh, a couple of secrets of the FDS podcast. Sometimes we record these episodes back to back. So she hasn't been out as long as it's going to sound because <laughs> we did a lot of these episodes in succession. Yeah. Nothing nefarious is happening. She wasn't kicked out of the pod. She hasn't left the podcast. It's just, she needed some time out, but we do really miss her. We miss our buttercup, our left eye to our trio. Yeah. Our buttercup to our bubbles and blossom. Yeah, our left eye to our chili and tea balls. <laughs> we do miss her. So yeah, that's where we're at with Lilith. So yes. So we're just we're waiting on her whenever she's feeling better enough to come back to the pod. So yeah. Godspeed, sis. Let's get into the drama. <sighs> Is love blind, Ro? Is it blind? Uh, I think it can be if you ask the right questions. <laughs> What's that old like oracle? You ask not the right questions, right? <laughs> I feel like the people that connected in the pod and then had some successful relationships outside of it, like SK and Raven, which we'll start with, they formed a real emotional connection based on real things versus like everyone else seemed like they projected an image of a person or projected themselves to be something they're not completely. Yeah. And what I liked about SK and Raven is that they were happy to go with the slow burn of things, whereas everybody was like, we had this connection. We're so perfect. We're like match. But they were just happy to just allow the connection to develop organically. And it was really almost like seeing their redemption arc. They sort of went from like the loser couple of the show to being like, the show's biggest success story because they did it in their own way. Even when other couples were ragging on them for not having sex or for not being outwardly intimate all the time, but it's because they were just getting to know each other and they were taking their time as well. So I think there's a huge lesson to be learned there. Yeah. They both seem like introverts to me, right? Like they just seemed like it took them longer to warm up to each other and that it's not as easy for them to be like as outwardly expressive or immediately emotionally attached like some of the other contestants were. Yeah. I mean, can I just say that they tried to make the fact that Raven wasn't Nigerian into this like massive plot point when any Nigerian couple, I'll just say though, like, cause my parents are Nigerian, I'm Yoruba, but any Nigerian knows that if their child, if they marry somebody who's not from the culture, they're not going to be a Nigerian wife. So when they were asking, are you going to be a Nigerian wife? It's like, well, no, because you're not Nigerian. They wouldn't expect you to do that. Like they know she's American. I'm not going to lie, that entire conversation. So there's a conversation with uh, Raven had with the dressmaker, the wedding dressmaker, and then a quote family friend, and then SK's mom. And that entire conversation, like knee jerk, pissed me off. Cause, like, first of all, the family friend was like extra messy. I felt like she came out, yeah, with that expectation, like, you need to cook for him. And like, you have to like conduct yourself in a certain way and like pamper your man. And I was like, who is this pig Misha, like berating Raven for like, one, not being Nigerian enough, but like really, really invested in like, policing how she should be as a wife 
It was just for drama purposes because even like SK's mom, she wasn't saying anything like that. And they, you know, Nigerians, they're not stupid. Like if they know if you're going to marry somebody like Raven, who is American, grew up in a white family, she's not going to be cooking rice and stew all the time. They know that. They're not stupid. They just tried to make it a plot point when it wasn't real. I can see why they went down that route because if you're not familiar with Nigerian culture, you'll think, yeah, they're really culturally incompatible. But the reality is it's not a thing. Okay, so it was a drama thing. It was 100% like a drama thing because they know that Raven is not going to be a Nigerian wife because she's not Nigerian. Because what made me nervous, and I, I know I mentioned this in the first half of this episode series, was that marrying into another culture, I would be so afraid of like the women ganging up on you and like henpecking you like that and like your husband not standing up for you and, and saying yo, I married an American. Because as soon as like somebody started in on me about how me not being Nigerian enough, like as long as like, if it felt serious and not like they're just trying to be funny, like, oh, you're Amala's trash or something like that, if I tried to make it, like I'd probably laugh that off. But like the whole conversation of like trying to police the relationship to do things specifically the way of their culture when like you're really trying to merge your two cultures, I feel like that would make me feel like attacked, you know? So, but maybe it was just like you said, drama for the purposes of the show. It was just a drama thing because I really loved SK's mom. Like, she's so... Yeah, oh my God. She was the MVP of the season. Let's just keep it real. She was so cute. Like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And I really liked SK. He really, really grew on me. I wasn't too sure of him at first. I'm not sure if he got the best edit. And I don't think, I think even SK said that actually the whole thing about him going to Berkeley, him and Raven had discussed it at length in the pods, but they never showed that. And again, I just think they just used that as a drama point because SK and Raven didn't really have any drama. Like they just seemed like two people who connected emotionally in the pods and were happy to take it slow. But they used the Berkeley thing and the fact that Raven was at Nigerian as a way to almost create artificial drama. That's why their story felt a bit stilted. But even SK said that they spoke about it at length in the pod. So Raven knew before she agreed to marry him that he had a full ride to Berkeley, but they never showed that bit. And so they didn't get a fair edit at all. Yeah, and they're still dating. Oh, so happy. So yeah, so spoiler alert, SK says you said no at the altar and all of them are claiming that they didn't know what they were going to say till they're standing up at the altar that very moment, which makes me... I don't believe that. I don't believe that there. There's probably some contractual incentive to going through with the entire rigmarole. And I don't know. And because the thing is too, is like, how does production know who's going to be blindsided, right? Because like, they must have to tell production at some point prior to them getting up to the stage because otherwise... Like, how would they know how to edit it? Because, like, basically, the production has to choose which person's going to be blindsided at the altar. Because that's going to be based on, like, who says I do first. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, they are still dating. And, like, when you watch, like, unfurling of their relationship, because I rewatched like, parts of the first half of the series, there's a part where they had really, really good communication because, like, Raven was saying that, like, there's, like, a block between them. And then SK responded to her and said, like, okay... I can feel that block between us and I'm interested in going slowly and making sure we're both comfortable, like basically firming her um, aspirations to take it slow and then like actually really get to know each other. And so it's like they acknowledge that things were a little awkward and then they talk through it. And then like eventually you could see like they're slowly melting the ice between each other as they got to know each other and then, you know, fireworks, right? Like they fully fell in love. So I appreciate like that kind of healthy communication being shown on the show. Someone who like loves you and like wants to be with you will respect your boundaries. Like, cause SK was really, really respectful of Raven's boundaries. And vice versa. And I do think out of the, everyone on the show, they were 
the couple that really personified that love is blind because I don't think that Raven would have gone for someone like SK had she seen him before. But she, even Raven said, this is about love is blind, like the physical isn't important. So I think they were truly committed to the experiment, which I respect as well. And I love the way SK called out Bartice for like sharing how he hadn't slept with Raven, like with Nancy. Yes, this is at the reunion. Yes, at the reunion where basically SK basically called Bartice out for saying that it's really inappropriate that you went and told your fiance that I hadn't had sex with Raven after I confided in you. It was like, bros, like we did that. I did it as a bro. I didn't expect you to then go and say it the way you did to Nancy. And I really like the way that he basically called Bartice out to the point where Bartice, who always has, he's always able to bullshit his way out of it. Even he just had to say, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, because... He just looked so bad. And the way SK did it, I was like, that's actually a really shitty thing to do to someone. Yeah. And not even just that, like clearly trying to flirt with Raven and everything, calling her a smoke show. Yeah. So he made Bartice look bad, which he thinks. (laughs) He did. Like SK straight up told him like, you couldn't handle a bad bitch like I got. Like he said that in so many words, like in the classiest way possible. So. (laughs) Yeah. I'm definitely rooting for SK and Raven. And like, yeah, SK's mom is just... Oh, she's amazing. You know, I don't like to get so emotionally invested, but I feel like at first I was like, I was really sad that SK said no. But then like when SK's mom came and hugged Raven, like that's when I like actually started crying a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, you can see she was upset. And like, I feel like her being upset because she was like so kind and warm. She's a good woman. I mean, considering she's like probably wife number three or four, she's a good, she's a good egg. Yeah, I just wish SK and Raven all the... I don't really have any tea on them because I just really... And I'm really glad, like, did you see, like, that Raven's online redemption arc where she was seen as the bitch for wanting, you know, him to pay half of her rent, but then she ended up with the best relationship? Yeah, and he is paying some of her bills. Like, I think she straight up was bragging about that on TikTok. So I I feel like she did everything the correct FDS way. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And I think SK, he would do it to make her happy because he even said like he's invested in getting to know her the raven way like he would do it to make her happy so all these like pick me saying she's being unreasonable it's like it's not unreasonable if the guy actually likes you right exactly <laughs> like policing women's standards down you're not asking for too much if he likes you it's not asking for a lot at all yeah so she got everything I think was reasonable to get. And, you know, I respect the decision that they didn't get married right away, but they're still, they're doing their slow burn thing. That seems like totally appropriate for them, you know? So hopefully everything works out for them. Alexa and Brennan. (sighs) Initially, I was really excited about these two, but as the seasons went on, I was a bit like, "Mm, nah, I'm not. (sighs) What gave you the ick? Because I still like them, but I just got the impression, um... I mean, I don't know. Brennan just seems like he's all in and I can see them working. Like, it seems like they kind of intuitively understand each other and have similar values. I just, I mean, obviously, disclaimer on anything we say, obviously, reality TV is edited and all that jazz. But I don't really like the way Alexa was like, oh, we're the best couple here. Because it's like, by what metric? By whose standards? I mean, yeah, you have obvious standards like Matt and Colleen and obvious car crashes. But it's just like... I don't know. I just sort of felt like even if the experiment was supposed, was actually going the way it was intended to, it's not meant to be a competition. It's about each couple finding their own path. Like just because you and Brennan are all over each other visibly, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best relationship. And I just found like when I met their families, when they were meeting each other's families, again, I just didn't see that. The commonality. 
yeah, I'm still not entirely sure why they chose each other, if I'm being brutally honest. That's just me personally. Personally, though. Kind of watching it, because I did try to watch it again and pick out little things. It seemed like a lot of it had to do with both of them having like a very a deep emotional commitment to their family and like liking similar things. And then, oh, in the reunion, Alexa talks about a story about she was saying that basically she got a sign from her grandmother because she was going to leave the pods. And then like she got a sign for her grandmother to stay one more day. And then like that's, I think, when she ended up talking to Brennan and connecting with him. I feel like for whatever it is, like they definitely seem like they're actually both really emotionally invested in it. And it does seem genuine. I think they're both actually like genuinely physically attracted to each other. It sounds like any sexual issues they had, they worked out and are actually having really good sex. It seems like Brennan was able to hold his own a little bit and like Alexa's kind of antagonistic friend group and with her dad. Her dad was a little aggressive with the knives and whatnot and the and the contract. Let's part the bus and talk about. <laughs> okay, what made me extra mad about her dad? Oh, Papa Alfia. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I was irrationally angry, angry at her dad smacking gum down the aisle. Like when he walked Alexa down the aisle, he had his mouth like wide open, gagging on like some double bubble or whatever. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? It just felt so tacky to me. I don't know. They seem like nouveau riche. So, okay, I don't know if I should spill this tea, but like, there are some people on the Love is Blind subreddit who dug up the, did some sleuthing, and apparently, like, Alexis' dad has an arrest record of some white collar crime arrest records and like simple, what sounds like fighting, like battery assault records. So, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> so, it seems like her family is like, gets wild. And I think she tried to impress that upon Brennan, but Brennan is also a guy that says he doesn't come from much. I mean, you could see them kind of emotionally connecting at some point. So I don't know. Personally, I feel like Brennan's all in. And if something happens, it's probably Alexa getting bored. Next couple. We're dipping into messy now. We're going to get messy. Now we're into messy. Everybody and their mama is apparently DMing Colleen, like sending her domestic violence helpline <laughs> uh, numbers. First of all, like the multiple fights about the situation between Colleen and Cole, Matt, like obviously in the first half of the series, like explode on her about that. And then later he explodes on her again because allegedly she took a taxi after a night out and didn't come straight home. And he felt like she should have came straight home and I'm not trying to get played. And, you know, like he's going off, right? I'm not trying to get played. You know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to point out some really, really like huge, huge, huge red flags that were present even before the wedding. And then at the reunion, everybody was like rightfully seeing, everybody was commenting on like Colleen's like defeated body language, the fact that they don't live together. Just how afraid she looked when they replayed the pool clip. Like she genuinely looked like scared as in this guy's gonna just fly off the handle. And I want to point out that his friends talked about this. Like, this is like, I, this is why I love covering this show is because it gives us a lot. It gives us like some real world examples to show and explain to our listeners about like how to spot these little red flags as well as like the tells around the situation. One of the biggest tells to me is when his friends break code to talk about like something serious about him, like his temper. When you saw the conversation that happened between Colleen, Matt's friends, and Matt, straight up, Matt's friends were like, he yells and he's known as two date Matt. And uh, he hasn't been in such serious relationship since his uh, first wife left him. And like, they basically over and over said that like, impressed upon her and you could see on their face that they're trying to kind of tell her like, he's not really 
ready for all this. Yeah. And I sort of like the way Matt tried to spin it as if like him not being in a relationship since his ex uh, left him was by choice. I don't think it was by choice. I think he ran them off 100%. Absolutely. I think his energy is so aggressive. It's so aggressive and so intense. He seems like the kind of guy, when you first meet him, he comes across as really romantic because he's so full on. But what he's actually trying to do is he's trying to monopolize your time and trying to make you only think about him. We see this with Colleen as well. The minute they he got her in quotation marks, he then started trying to get her to rehearse what she would say if another guy looked at her in a club and stuff like that. It's just, he just gave off, and I'm just so annoyed that we'll get to the reunion more detail, but how he just got a pass for all of his blow-ups. And even in the reunion, he was alluding to the fact that they argue like daily and it's like ladies it's not normal to be having daily arguments with your partner that's not normal you can disagree you can have back and forth but to have like an argument on a regular it's not normal yeah he seems very very controlling the little conversation he had with Zenob, like they honestly point blank <laughs> Do you remember they just hyped each other up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like where they just hyped each other up. Zenev has like a passive aggressive way of dealing with her insecurities. And then Matt just like completely explodes in the moment. He blows up. Yeah. Yeah. So those are maladaptive and unhealthy coping mechanisms for those emotions. And so I think with Colleen and then and actually fast forwarding to right before the wedding, Matt's friend and like point blank says to Matt, I don't think you're ready for this. Like right before he's ready to walk down the aisle to go towards the altar. So I feel like if a man's friends says anything to that effect about his temper, about him not probably not being ready to date. Remember, men aren't like necessarily as emotive as women are when they're telling stories. So like if they break coat and they drop little hints, red alert, red alert abort mission. Like because like it's always way more serious than even his friends will even allude to, right? It's so unusual for guys to do that. So if they are doing that, they are highly concerned, right? Like <laughs> So I just wanted to point that out because like when I watched it back, yeah, there's little hints around the way that his friends are super uneasy of what's happening and not like just in a, okay, this is unusual, but we're happy for you, buddy. But like straight up, like they think he's going to probably sabotage this relationship because he's clearly got unhealthy habits. Yeah. And perhaps not treat Colleen all that well. They're just both like oil and water in a way that, you know, like Zenab and Cole are just are not suited and almost a very unhealthy way Colleen and Matt are well suited in quotation marks because she's a people pleaser and he likes to be able to use that to control her and she straight up says like it's so wild like this is kind of sad but in like the third or fourth episode when Matt has the first blow up she says point blank like so what if I'm a people pleaser I want to make this work and I'm like oh no 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 yeah, it's just really, really sad. And you could tell even before that, that she was way too emotionally invested because she was like crying after Brennan and Cole originally passed on her as far as engagements. And she was like crushed by this. So like, this is a person that doesn't have like as much self-worth as they need. And so someone like Matt is just running rushed out all over her boundaries and he's controlling and she doesn't have the self-esteem to like set her boundaries, no, to leave that situation. So we're all collectively scared for her. Hopefully, I'm going to wish for the best. Let's put it that way. So uh, who's next on the docket? Nancy and Bartiz. Okay. <sighs> I have to say, I love Nancy's brother, Steve. <laughs> I love him so much. Says so Steve, like the one he was like, he's a punk. 
He's like, wasting our motherfucking time. You brought us out here wasting our motherfucking time. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he's a punk. I was like, wow. I'm not gonna lie. Like, okay, so oh, there's so much to unpack about their relationship in particular. So I again trying to watch it again to get like the clues of like where everything got derailed. It's when he saw Raven basically. Okay, I thought that at first and then when I watched it again, actually I'll put this question to the FDS class of 2022. What do you guys think? So there's two opinions like of how to handle this. Like there are going to be other people that you find attractive outside of your relationship. Any given room in you're in, there may or may not be people who are far more attractive than you or your partner considers them far more attractive to you. Do you prefer your partner to be honest about that or do you prefer them to like say things like I you're the only girl for me, the only girl in the world. Because what happened was, is like Bartise and Cole, both of them said like an honest thing about how they felt, but then also like recommitted to the relationships they had. But it seems like the women both really held on to that, like them being honest about that and internalized it like severely. And then kind of like, it ended up being a bigger thing, which I'm going to tell you like in the past, if any guys ever said that to me, I've just like kicked it back to like, let me tell you how I've handled guys like Bartise. <laughs> I tend to just give it right back to him. Like I might've just said, you know, like maybe he didn't really like rank them the way that like Cole did like nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 or whatever. But I also think Cole might've been sarcastic, but he said something like, Oh, Raven's a smoke show. I probably would have just like referenced somebody else I think is really hot and like made fun of his dumb little earring and then gone about my business. Right. Like it wouldn't have like phased me emotionally the way it seemed like it really made Nancy feel diminished. You know what I mean? Here's the thing, though, about more so Bartise, but Cole as well will toss him in there because he did a similar thing, about these men being honest in this regard is that I feel like they use it as a manipulation tactic because let's say, for example, Bartise told Nancy, Raven's a smoke show, and she reacted badly. He would then interpret that as, you don't want me to be honest with you. When actually, if he truly believed that, and I believe he did believe that Raven was better looking, he should have just ended the relationship. So yeah, the thing about that is like, okay, so and this is my blind spot because I've been roasted by people because of my like views on like femme cells. And like, apparently I don't understand what it's like to like not to be like so insecure about your looks that it affects your ability to have any self-esteem. Like I didn't take that as like, I don't think it's a problem if a guy doesn't think you're the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, because quite frankly, he's never going to be the most attractive man you've ever seen probably. Right. Like, you know what I mean? No, but it was the way that Bartise was saying it was very inappropriate, though. Really inappropriate. It's one thing to be like, oh, hey, that woman's hot and keep it moving. But he kept referencing, you know, Ravens. He kept like that conversation. I watched with my sister and her husband and even they felt very uncomfortable like watching it because it's not appropriate to be saying oh she's a smoke show. She was wearing a tight dress. We'd look so good together. That was inappropriate. Yeah, that shit was whack. I was talking about the stuff he said to Matt, to Nancy. Like the shit. Okay, so that shit, that's the stuff that made him a villain. That's the one that made people like actively dislike him and say like, oh, well, if people saw us in a bar, people would come up to us and everything. Because it made, definitely like made it seem like he was putting himself in like Raven's league, perhaps prematurely. But in, I mean, he's not an unattractive man. Like I could see that being true for him, but it, it was a little bit weird to see someone who values that like out loud, right? Because it just seems like objectively shallow right? Like if you objectively value the wow factor and like, I want to go into a room and have everybody, all the eyes on me, like that comes, is narcissistic, quite frankly. Like it comes across to people like, 
very immature and that like you're very much about like the image and like feeding your ego in that respect. But the second conversation with Nancy, like I said, I maybe split opinions about like, how do you handle or talk to your partner if you find someone else like attractive, right? Do you just like never mention it? Do you just like be honest? Like think when it was over the course of conversation of them talking about like how they felt about like the other people they were talking to in the pods, right? And S and like, what's her name? Nancy straight up said like, I'm glad I chose you. Like I wasn't interested in SK because SK was originally on one of her rotations and then like and then Bartiz goes in he's like well Raven's a smoke show but I connected more emotionally to you right so it seems to me that even though he was like obviously very physically attracted to Raven like he kind of doubled down that he was still more emotionally attracted to Nancy right like that he was more interested in her as like a whole person so that's why when I listened to it when I watched it like back the shit that made him a villain was really like super egotistical shit. But like, how do you communicate? Like, do you think it's bad to communicate to your partner if you find anybody else like attractive? Because like, those are the things that both the women were the most mad at. I don't think it's bad, but the way Cole and Bartiste did it was inappropriate. So th- there's another part like where later Nancy asked Bartiste like, oh, you know, when I started to hang out with Raven, her personality is way more reserved, way more quiet or like, I don't know exactly what she says, but she makes the comment that like Raven's personality is the opposite of hers. And you can tell that like Raven and Nancy, even prior to them both kind of going for Bartiste in the pods, that their personalities did not mesh well at all. In fact, they had kind of not like nasty things to say about each other, but it was kind of clear that they weren't. They wouldn't be friends. Into each other. They wouldn't be friends. So Nancy asked Bartiste, I'm really surprised that you connected emotionally with Raven, considering like she's very, very different from me. And then Bartiste tells her like, he's like, you know, when I was talking to Raven, I broke things off with her because I kept thinking about you, that I, I'm much more connected with your energy and with like Raven, it felt like a struggle with your energy. It felt like we built on each other, that like they matched personality wise and that he went on based on his gut instinct, Right. And then like even Raven admitted like when she mutually broke up with Bartiz that like she liked SK more because SK was chiller. He was more her speed that like she wasn't going to stand around and like feed Bartiz's ego all day. Bartiz clearly needs. Whereas like Nancy's more friendly and like doesn't mind boosting her man a little bit, etc. So like Bartiz in that moment like validated why he chose Nancy over Raven and was seemed to be like all in on that, even though he was like clearly attracted to Raven. When I watched the whole series again, it's kind of tough because it was like they released the first half and then the second half. So it seems a bit disjointed. But like watching the series again, it seems like he got the ick like sometime after, sometime after like uh, Nancy met Bartice's parents. So I actually feel like the deal breaker actually happened after. Do you know what? I think Nancy was always a consolation prize for Bartiz because even in the pods, when he rejected in quotation marks Raven, I don't think he wanted it to be over, but Raven was just like, yep, I agree. He wasn't expecting that. I just think she was always, and then when he saw Raven in person, that was just a nail in the coffin. And then everything else, the abortion, stuff like that, that was just an out, a way out for him. I'm going to take a different opinion only because I think that the real out, like, I think he was probably going to try. And the real out is like, he got the ick somewhere after the conversation, somewhere in between their, like their very real conversations about abortion, either the one before they met their parents, either him meeting her parents and her family, and then him meeting his family. Like Bartise makes the comment, like his sister's not sold on Nancy. So maybe his parents made a commentary on her that like maybe put him off her, et cetera. And then also, yeah, like she doesn't fit like his now like inflated egos. Like maybe she, her, his inflated ego of the image that he wanted for himself. Like she wasn't 
Raven. So then like that part of his ego wasn't going to be satisfied, but I didn't get the impression that it was totally just that, that I think it actually was later that it like completely imploded. But okay. Watching the post-show interviews, because a lot of people were making fun of Nancy and like calling her pick me and saying like, why after Bartiz said he wasn't like attracted to, which he doesn't say, by the way, I'm trying to figure out like when he says like straight up uh, not attracted to, it seemed like the time he said he wasn't attracted to her was like after like he got the ick and didn't want to have sex as much because he felt like something wasn't working with them emotionally. I think it's more like you didn't have to say it explicitly. Like it was obvious. So me and when I watched it again, it wasn't obvious until after like they started meeting the folks and shit. Like it seemed like they were actually still physically intimate and everything and like all over each other. And then, then Nancy makes the point that like, he's not kissing me on the forehead anymore. Like he at some point stops all the affection. So like what happened between them being in Malibu them being in the apartments and then them meeting her folks and having that conversation abortion and him meeting her folks that completely deaded that situation. I think for me, it was obvious when I saw the way he spoke about Raven and how his eyes basically lit up when talking about her physically and just how he never looked that way when speaking about Nancy and that he always had to say, had this like long convoluted speech about why he chose Nancy sort of talking a lot but not really saying anything I think her brothers even picked up on that as well it's like when he went to go and see her family and I think it was like Steve when they asked him okay why my sister and Bartise gave his usual long-winded answer that's not really doesn't have much substance and even like Steve was like you've not really said anything though yeah so Bartise is one of those people like he goes on these like long like when he's not that passionate about something or if he doesn't know something he'll go on this really long convoluted way to try and mask the fact that he's not saying anything of substance so when i listened to it back like i actually think he was he just has like a a really like aggressive i don't say aggressive but like a consulting type of way of speaking like his brother asked him like okay would you love her she was 400 pounds and he says something like well i'm not going to pretend that physical attraction isn't important so i feel like he was honest with everybody when i watched it but i do think he may not have been honest about like what was giving him the ick with nancy and and before he says like sometimes my relationships just fizzle out and i don't know why right so i think he just gets the ick at some point and or he's a guy that just likes the chase and nancy wasn't enough of like i feel like if that entire situation would have gone differently if nancy wasn't acting so insecure of a raven and just like settle into her bad bitchness you know what i mean it didn't really start to be fair didn't really start with them yeah because they started in pods i guess but it was like they were all like 100 percent going pedal to the metal and then at some point the reality hits him of like what it's going to take to be in a relationship and then that reality is like too overwhelming for him to actually like continue whatever attraction he had to nancy before because he, like it's weird because at the beginning he's like they're both cole and bartiz all they talk about in the beginning is like how attracted they are to their partners and at some point that changes but i don't know if it was like directly the result of seeing the other women the way that i think it's people are like pushing for but anyways okay so the other piece of tea that was that came out in the post-show interviews and this came both from nancy and bartice's mouth this was confirmed that nancy said that she told bartice like two weeks before the schedule waiting that she was going to say no and then bartice decided for whatever reason that he felt like you know what i want to fall back in love with that girl in the pods and i'm going to try extra hard to fall back in love with her and show that she can love me 
And that's when he started doing like the forever bracelet, et cetera, and like really, really future faking. So Nancy says like straight up, like the reason why I said yes at the altar is because I told him I was going to say no. And then for the last two weeks, he was talking about all the things we were going to do. Like we were actually planning for our life post show. He said he wanted to like recommit to this relationship. And then he sent her that shot right before the wedding that says, let's do the damn thing. And Bartiz even admitted, he's like, you know, I, I feel like in hindsight, I can see how me sending her that shot, like misconstrued my intentions. Now, here's a mystery question to me. Why did he like decide to like recommit to this relationship two weeks after Nancy already was pretty much done? Was it a production decision? Was it like, I need to manipulate the situation so I don't look like a bad guy? I don't want to be embarrassed and turned down by the altar. Because the other T is that Bartiz and apparently Shane from season two are going to be on some Netflix spinoff dating show. So it could be as much of a like production decision as well as his decision or like a collective set of factors. It's like, it's in my best interest to string this along all the way to the altar and blindside Nancy. So Nancy in the reunion said very clearly, she's like, love is blindsided. Like I thought Bartiz was going to say yes, based on all these additional factors that happened after I already gave him an out and told him I was going to say no. So Bartiz like basically future faked, bladed on thick, love bombed her for the last two weeks and then hyped her up and then kind of dragged her down at the altar, which is probably like what her family was reacting to too. So the question is why? Like it was kind of a crappy thing to do. And I'm like, it could be equally his parts of like trying to change the narrative so he looks good or a production decision pushing them that way. And that's like the big question mark to me that I wish there was enough tea to get answered. But yeah, yeah. I feel like if the guy gets the ick, like the way that Bartiz like, like got, I think it's over. And I think Nancy already knew it, but didn't and like tried to end it. And then for whatever reason, it didn't, they didn't. And it seems like it was mostly because of Bartiz trying to like paint this fairy tale for Nancy that he didn't intend on delivering. And he says he didn't know if he was going to say yes till he was up to the altar, but that's what they're all saying. And we think that's all bullshit. So I think that's bollocks. Yes. Okay. So that's that portion. But let us know about like how you handle conversations with your significant other if you ever feel. Because I don't like to be lied to. I don't want a guy to say to me, like, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. And I think it's bullshit. Like, I won't actually, I won't like believe it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I probably would have just had that conversation. And like, I think I'm like kind of, now I see, you can see why I end up dating guys like Bartiz. I'm a little like bit logical in that way. Like I wouldn't have been as like offended as the women as clearly were. I'd be like, yeah, she's pretty. It's just the way, if I look at the way like my sister and her husband and my parents talk about other attractive people, they do notice people who are attractive, but they're not like salivating like Bartiz was all constantly going on about it. Yeah, he was definitely like, his body language during the meet and greet was like very attentive to her. And what Nancy said during the reunion, I thought was very on point where she says like, it seems like the guys, they still after the pods wanted to go entertain or talk to the women that they turned down. But all the women thought after they got engaged, we're engaged, don't talk to those other guys. It seemed like what happened was like, Bartiz and Cole like wanted that closure and the women got highly offended and also like them talking about like the physical attributes of it being different than they expected. The women got highly offended, which I think is fine. This is not a right or wrong answer. I'm just looking at it like I would prefer somebody just tell me the truth up front. Like I don't want anybody to tell me like, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like if it's not like genuine. But it's, it's also about just having that emotional intelligence as well. Like being honest is also about tact as well. Like, and I'm sure my parents will tell me all the time, you don't have to say everything that comes into your head. Like you actually don't to your partner, especially if you know, and you know, Bartise and Cole, especially, they would have known that saying that is going to bring about some sort of reaction in their partner. 
And I sort of don't like this whole, especially male honesty. Like it's, I feel like in, in this case, it almost gives them a pass to be saying stuff that's actually quite hurtful because you can say something that is honest, but it can still be hurtful. But sometimes what men do is they will act like you're being unreasonable, you know, for reacting badly to something that they've said because they were honest in quotation marks. And it's actually what they've said is also quite hurtful. Yeah. Okay. So I guess this is the split in the fan base of like whether or not you think Cole and Bartise were intentionally trying to be hurtful. I think they just have diarrhea of the fucking mouth and just you know, like. <laughs> I don't think they were being intentionally hurtful. But again, this is where I think their age might come into it. And this is where emotional maturity comes into it as well. Like you can be honest, but you also need to have diplomacy intact as well. And they just didn't have it. Yeah. Fair point. So, who is next up on the docket? Zenab and Cole. Yeah, Zenab and Cole, the last <laughs> messy ass relationships to go in. I'm just gonna, uh, I hate to defend Cole because he's a scrot in his own right, but I don't think it was fair that he was made the villain of the reunion program because he was immature, silly, inconsiderate, but he wasn't the worst guy on there. And I think that his biggest problem was that him and Zainab were just not compatible like they were i think if he'd been with anybody else it might have had a better outcome but they were just two people who were just woefully unsuited to each other and their relationship turned really toxic as a result okay once again this is what communication issues this is the communication issues i noticed watching cole and zena watching it back and then understanding how the entire thing ended up so at the beginning, there are so many times where Zenab like talks down on her. Like, this is way before they meet Colleen, right? Zenab talks about she doesn't look cute without her lashes. She has to wear a mouth guard to bed. She basically keeps fishing for compliments like, oh, I look like a scary monster without my, my makeup on, et cetera, et cetera. And Cole like either completely ignores her or kind of teases her about it. And it seems like that feedback instead of him like, or sometimes he does tell her she's beautiful, but other times he like either like ignores it or like teases her a little bit. It's like she's constantly fishing and putting these like little insecurities out there. And then like he's not catching all of them and just kind of like trying to have talk to her and like push past her insecurities. Like there's a scene that I thought was pretty much a summation of their relationship where they're in the pool and it's like the first night they've been together. And like within like a minute or two, Zanab's like, I don't like myself without my eyebrows. And like, she's talking about like all these physical attributes she doesn't like about herself. And then Cole's like, I'm actually bored of this conversation. Can we talk about, and he starts talking about like gorillas or some shit, like something totally unrelated, right? Because like all she wanted to talk about constantly was like the thing she was insecure about. And then they get into the hotel room and it's the same thing over and over. And then she's like, I'm gonna look like a totally different person without my makeup. And then like Cole looks at her and it seems like a joke. He's like, yeah, you look totally different. And she's like, are you sure? Do you still like me? And he first, he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I like your little freckles and everything. And then she's like, oh, I thought you wouldn't like my eyebrows aren't dark, etc. And then he's like, oh, you look like a scary monster, right? Just kind of like joking. So it looks like from the beginning, she creates this like self-reinforcing loop of like constantly announcing the things she's insecure about. And Cole only like catches like a third of it, right? To like reassure her. And the other times he's either like dismissive or ignoring her. And so it feels like she's kind of like, she's like building all these like ways that he's not responding properly to then like get mad at him later. And then immediately the day after they have sex, like she's acting like mad weird and like standoffish to him. And he's like, he started asking her like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, he didn't cuddle with me, like bring me breakfast in bed, et cetera. And Cole was just like, well, I thought she just wanted to sleep and I just got up, you know, to take a shower. She didn't get up yet. So I just let her sleep. And like, that's something that would have been like 
immediately solved if like Zanub had just said like, oh, come back to bed or like, why'd you leave bed? But instead she like immediately goes into like punishment mode with him, giving him the silent treatment, being kind of like nitpicky with him and standoffish about the towels and shit. To me with her, she has so many insecurities that she self-sabotages. Like you can watch herself sabotaging that relationship in real time. She's over-communicating her insecurities, quite frankly. She, She brings them up way too much. And then like when Cole does something she doesn't like... She doesn't like address that thing, but then like explodes about some other thing. And that's when I think he started calling her like passive aggressive because like he doesn't know why she's fucking mad. And you can see in their interaction that he's completely and totally clueless, right? He just knows that like she randomly gets mad at him sometimes. And he's like, I don't understand what we're arguing about. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, (laughs) and like the cutie scene, I'm glad they cut that in at the end because it didn't go down the way she said that it went down. So at the reunion, uh, Zenab said that Cole basically almost that she resorted to not eating during the course of their relationship. So she'd have like a banana and peanut butter because Cole brought out those insecurities and was controlling what she ate. And she referenced a particular scene where there was uh, she was about to eat two cuties, which are two tangerines or something like that. And Cole comes up to her and says, are you going to eat both of that or something like that? But you need to watch your appetite because they were going for dinner later on in the day. So that's a story that was told by Zenab at the reunion. But when you watch the clip, you then hear Cole expressing concern that all she's eaten that day is a banana. And Cole says, but I offered you my pork bowl and you said no. And uh, Zenab said, well, yeah, that's because we had it last night. So she tried to make out that basically he was controlling, you know, trying to get her to eat basically nothing. When if you watch the scene, it didn't go down like that. I genuinely believe that Cole was joking. But again, he lacks that emotional intelligence to realise that actually he might be flying quite close to the wire and not to joke about how much she's eating if she's not eating enough already, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So again, post-show interviews, Zanab like basically accused him of like uh, inducing an eating disorder in her and all this kind of stuff. And then even at the altar scene where she dumps him, I feel like she had a lot of valid points, but then it's like, she is like, you have completely destroyed my self-confidence. And I'm like, girl, it is called self-esteem. Esteeming your motherfucking self. I'm going straight Cat Williams on this one. A man cannot destroy you in fucking six weeks, right? Like there's, that was the time where I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, She took every little thing that Cole said, totally internalized it, and then exploded on him, right? And I kind of felt like that, first of all, very maladaptive way to deal with it. But at the same time, like, he did do some things that were very insensitive, but the way that she handled them sabotaged everything. And it it actually did seem like Cole, every single step of the way, was trying to reaffirm that he was in love with her and still wanted to marry her. And what was interesting about it was like even things that were about him she like extremely internalized and her stepmother mentioned that like when they were having the conversation at the stepmom's house about why cole's parents didn't want to be involved in the love is blind like didn't want to come and like have be interviewed etc he was talking about like i come from a super christian family they have a very rigid way of doing things i'm very disappointed in them and he's like he's revealing that like he's emotionally affected by the fact that his family is not backing him up on his choices here and then like the stepmom's like you know, Zenob will see that and be like, oh, he, they don't like me because of my race. And they don't like me because I'm too fat or they don't like me because of this. And then like, she's like, oh, she'll go on a tangent. She'll go down that road. And like Cole, the entire time says, it's not you. It's my family and my relationship. But like Zenob internalizes everything and then like gets mad at him. 
And so he's confused because he doesn't even know that him just expressing what he's saying is like, is triggering her as much as it is. Right. So it's hard to talk about that because I feel now she's like the villain, the post-show villain, because she completely blew that situation out of the water. I have no doubt that like in her mind, because she's so insecure, all of those little things like accumulated to the point where like, it's like worse and worse in her head every time she tells it. And you could see like her and Matt when they had that little like powwow where they were like, this happened when she talked to Cole and this happened when he talked to uh, Colleen. They like escalated into this like big ball of frenzy of explosive anger that that's the way they've been handling that. And like, that's, that's just like, it, yeah, it made them seem like a villain. Cause it seemed like, like the way that she unloaded on Cole was like excessive force. Right. To the point where people started to feel sympathetic for Cole because he looked clearly crushed that like, first of all, she told him no. And then in the post show, like he was really, really confused why she doesn't even like him, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think going back to what you said earlier, I think a man can, if you're stuck with the wrong sort of guy, they can absolutely like level you in six weeks. That wasn't, but I think with like, with that speech, it gave the impression that all her insecurities started with Cole and they were there at the very beginning of their relationship. And this is why I say they were just completely unsuited to each other. They just brought out the worst in each other in the worst possible way. Yeah, he needs to grow. I mean, he is like six years younger than her. So it's not that like, he has so many scrote characteristics. He's not clean. He doesn't cook that well. He said he has diarrhea of the mouth. He clearly doesn't have his like emotional development put together yet. All those things are things he definitely needs to take care of to be a much better partner. So I don't think anybody's like arguing that Cole was some kind of great catch or anything at the time. But I feel like the way that she made him all the source of all of her problems is like a very maladaptive way to cope with your insecurity. So I think that's why everyone's kind of reacting poorly to the cutie scene with her in it. Like you can't really be like, you quite literally made me starve myself. And then there's a video of him like offering you a poke bowl and being like, why aren't you eating? You know? And then the comments about her being bipolar, that was also again, bad way to describe what was happening and bad emotional intelligence. I think he was trying to figure out like why she was, what she was getting triggered by. Because again, when you watch it, she's constantly getting triggered and he's very confused about like what he's doing. That's making her go off like that. Cause it doesn't make sense to him. Right. Cause he's like, I love you. I'm committed to you. He's like, and he even says to her like, yeah, I find Colleen attractive, but like, as far as our personalities go, they don't mesh. So like even after he talked about it, he was like, he didn't see a future with Colleen. And he reaffirms like multiple times that like, he sees a future with Zeneb. Like he's all in on Zeneb. He's willing to fight with his parents over her. He visited her folks. They're planning the future. So it did seem like Cole was going to say yes at the altar and was kind of blindsided by once again, which I think is probably a production decision for Zeneb to withhold that she was going to dump Cole at the altar. Right. So I don't know. It sucks because Nick and Vanessa are such terrible hosts that they don't ask these very basic questions. <laughs> They're awful. She just seemed like she had such once like she was triggered, all she did was like display like contempt for him all the time. And then that contempt absolutely like exploded at the wedding and then at the reunion. She's like, I still love him, but this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And I'm like, I don't think you like him. I feel like for whatever reason, desperate for his approval. And ironically, he seems like actually kind of desperate for your approval too. Cause he keeps trying despite the fact like you're constantly making fun of like literally everything he does. And for whatever reason, again, I don't know if it was a production thing, like she basically decided that she hates his guts and I don't know, went into the dramatics. And then, I mean, I don't know. Then, then there's the story about the, like him making out with some other girl and we don't know if that's true or not, or like what happened. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that maybe that's true, but like Cole's flat out denying that's true. 
But then again, it's like it's you've seen her just like make huge mountains out of nothing, like big nothing burgers that a lot of people are like, I bet it was not what you're saying completely. <laughs> so anyways, not, it's not an attack on Xanab. It's just like if you're watching someone self-sabotage in real time because of their insecurities, watch Xanab. Because that was like, that was brutal to watch. That's the time where you have to work on yourself to be like a quote, high value woman. But like put yourself in a place where you have comfortable self-esteem so that you're not exploding on the people who are actually trying, even if they're not perfect, you know? I'm not saying she should have stayed with Cole because like I said, filthy, low emotional intelligence. <laughs> like all those things are true about him. She definitely should have dumped his ass. And I think he definitely deserved part of the roast she gave him. But like the eating disorder and all this other shit, I was like, this is like, he's such a garden variety white dude. Like, why are you giving him this much power? You know what I mean? Like she gave him that power. Yeah, this is the thing. Especially after I've seen that toilet, I'd have been like, anything you say is just not <laughs> fucking flies in his toilet. I'd have been like, anything you say is just not even worth risk. Well, I would have like bailed at that moment. But if I continued, anything you say is just, yeah. Yeah, bro has flies in his toilet. Like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, and this is the thing, this is part of it as well. And I feel like it's unfortunate that so many women almost fall into this idea of just giving the opinions of men way too much weight, assigning, you know, way too much worth to the average scrotes opinion when even to some degree, even they know they ain't shit. So why should you think that what they're saying is gospel just because they're saying it? I feel like if she had dumped him and just said, this isn't good enough for me, like he wouldn't have liked it. But I think it seemed like what emotionally destroyed him was her saying that you destroyed me, right? Like, that's the thing that seemed like that was the thing that had him crying at the end. That, like, he felt, and he, you know, apologized a bunch of times. I think he felt like, because it it did seem like he actually did fall in love with her. And then, like, he feels really bad that, like, for whatever reason, he made her feel like that. So I don't think he's a sociopath trying to control, like, what she was eating. You know what I mean? Like, that's, he's crying over that either. So... It just left me with the ick, and I feel like it's almost entirely Nick and Vanessa's fault for being terrible hosts and not being able to rein in, rein in like that ambush of Cole. Yeah, especially when there were more deserving, like especially when Bartise and Matt were sitting there. When Bartise and Matt were sitting right there. But also, I think that's why Bartise kept quiet because he didn't want the, the aim to turn on him. <laughs> Well, Raven said that like they did roast Bartise, but none of it was used. And once again, I think that's a production decision because Bartise is going to be in on another show. So that's where I'm saying. I feel they basically gave Shane a good edit in the after the altar thing too, after he was like, basically everybody was asking if he was on drugs half the season because they're going to use them again on another show. So I think that's why I'm like big question mark about like Bartise's motives and what happened between him and Nancy, because I think a lot of that was probably influenced by production and they can't talk about it. But I feel like that was heavier than the other seasons. Doesn't it feel that way? I just think the people were more dysfunctional this season. <laughs> Way more. And the pet, pa- the pairings were just more dysfunctional. And maybe it was just like the contestants themselves were like high emotional. Like their emotions were really, really high compared to last season and the season before. Everybody reacted poorly to everything that was going on. <laughs> like it was just high drama to the to the max. So Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say about these couples. So let us know what you think. Yeah, especially about like how to have conversations about attractiveness. Because like, I definitely hear what you guys are saying about that. But I'm telling you, like, I would have just said some shit back. But that's just it just wouldn't have phased me as much because I don't feel like I don't feel crushed if a guy is not like gushing over the way I look constantly. It doesn't like emotionally affect me either way. 
Yeah, and I think that's fine. Everyone has their boundaries, but it's just if you know you're with a woman who it would hurt if you said that, then that's where your emotional intelligence and tact comes in. Yeah, true that. Okay, check us out. Talk about this episode on thefemaledatingstrategy.com forward slash forum. Also, uh, check out our weekly bonus content on patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy roast is grow thanksgiving roast is next week kind of excited about that one and check us out on twitter at femme.strat and our instagram at underscore the female dating strategy thanks for listening queens and for all you scroats out there i'm not trying to get played <laughs> see you next week die mad <laughs>